In the beginning, God created. Do you believe these words? Do you believe these are God's words? Do you believe these are your God's words? Belief in this statement, in the beginning God created, is a claim on more than just the origin of the universe. In the beginning God created is a claim on who has the right and authority over how you are to live, how you were designed to live, and consequently, how you should live today. God is the creator who designed us, who reveals who we are and how we should live. Today, I'm going to press press forward, assuming that you believe God is the creator of us and this world. If this is not where you're at, I want to welcome you to North Pine Baptist. Thank you for being here today. I'm excited that you have an opportunity to explore what in the beginning God created and what follows in the Bible can mean for your life now and your future when you die. In our time together in the second chapter of the Bible, in Genesis 2, we are going to explore the Creator's design for us. The Creator's design for us will help us understand God and ourselves. As we do this, though, each of us will face this question. What will you do when you realise you are pursuing desires that don't match God's design? What will you do when you realise you are pursuing desires that do not match God's design? One approach, it's the wrong approach, is to believe that you can make up a better design for your life than God. This places your desires as greater than God's design. Come back next week to see how this works out for Adam and Eve. I'll give you a spoiler. It it ends badly. It is foolish to believe that creation can come up with a better design for ourselves than God. This craziness, this foolishness of creation above creator is at the heart of of every rebellion against God's design for us. At the heart of sin is the belief that I, creation, know better than the creator. What will you do when you realise that you are pursuing desires that don't match God's design? Let's first discover what is revealed in Genesis 2 about God's design for us. There are three points that we will discover from this second recounting of the creation story. God created us. God cares for us. God communes with us in community. As we read the Bible, we must never forget that this is firstly a story about God. We are not the metaphorical centre of the universe. God is. And as we shall see throughout Genesis 2, God is the reference point for understanding our design and purpose. 
Look with me at Genesis 2, 4-9. There are plenty of details, but focus with me on the big picture, particularly the yellow and the green. The Lord God is the instigator of all the action. The Lord God made. The Lord God had not caused. The Lord God had formed, breathed into. The Lord God planted, put, had formed. The Lord God made. God creates the man. The man is but a passive detail, side detail by comparison to God's activity. God cares for the man, providing an abundantly already stocked garden. This that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. There is intimacy between the man and God. God breathes life into the man and places the man in the garden. Throughout chapter 1 in Genesis, in Hebrew, the language, in Hebrew, that's the language of Genesis that was first written, God is called Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created. This this name, this title, it betrays the majestic, omnipotent creator. Here in chapter 2, the name is the Lord God, that is, Yahweh Elohim. And it's used for the first time in the Bible here. Yahweh will be known, become to be known as the personal covenant name of God. This name throughout the Bible represents God as redeemer for his people. The God who provides a covenant to make a way for relationship, a way for humanity to return from their rebellion from God's rule back into right relationship with God. In Genesis 2, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, represents the creator and covenant redeemer character of God. God's character before humanity was even created, before there was ever sin, is to be a redeemer, a saviour of his people. The good news that salvation is found in Jesus is not a reaction by God against sin. The good news that salvation is found in Jesus is a demonstration of God's unchanging, redeeming character. This is the God we are personally introduced to by name in Genesis 2. Continue with me in Genesis 2, 10-14. We see that the Garden of Eden is the source of four rivers that go throughout watering the lands. Look with me at this image. This is a pivotal circle irrigation in operation, and this is in operation in the Jordan Desert. The same technology is actually used just down the road from the farm that I grew up on, on the New South Wales-Victorian border. Without water, this would just be another patch of desert. God cares for us, providing us with a world full of incredible, lush resources. God takes the man he created, placing him in the garden, prepared with such care. And God reveals the purpose for the man for which man has been desired. Look with me at Genesis 12:15. The Lord God took the man 
and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Again, like in Genesis 4 to 9, uh, chapter 2, verses 4 to 9, we see that God is the source of the action in the story. God is actively at work. We again see God caring for his creation. God took, put, and provides purpose. In Genesis 2.15, we see that God is designed to work the garden and be a caretaker of it. To work and care for God's world reflects the hard-working, caring character of God on display throughout Genesis 2 and 1 and 2 and beyond. We have been provided with abundant resources by God, but this comes with responsibility to work and care for God's world. We have been created with an incredible creative capacity. Your creative capacity is designed to be used to care for God's world, to work it and to keep it. So far we've seen God do many actions to and for the man. Now God speaks to the man. God speaks to the creation, revealing what responsibilities creation is designed for. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The man is given resources, responsibility, and real consequences for failure to obey God's command. Rebellion against the rule of God results in death. Now look with me from 18 onwards. God speaks up again. The Lord God said, it is not good. There is a complication. Something is not good. It's not that something has gone wrong. We already know from the first summary of of creation in Genesis 1 that everything God created is good. Something is missing. Creation is incomplete. It is not good that the man should be alone. God sees your loneliness. God sees that to be alone is not good. God created you. God cares for you. And God communes with you in community. I want to jump out on a limb here with you. For those that have heard this chapter preached before, and even if you're hearing this chapter for the first time as we read it, read it today, I picture in your mind you're thinking God's solution for loneliness is to find someone to marry. For some here, you've tried. You've sought after a husband and wife and you're still not married. And you feel very, very lonely. For some, marriage feels so far down the track that it's tempting to just turn off at this point. It's not relevant for me right now. And for some, let's say it plainly, you are married and you feel lonely. Now, marriage is designed by God to be an incredible source of companionship. Don't hear me wrongly here. But what God is providing in this chapter as a solution to loneliness is much a much bigger picture than just marriage. It's only a part of it. God has not left you alone if you are not married. 
Before we come to the big picture solution to loneliness in the end of Genesis 2, there is one false solution to loneliness we must note. Look with me from Genesis 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a suitable helper fit for him. Cats or any other animal, are not suitable substitute helpers. Pets, and I have more than a few, I do add, are not, to be a, are not designed to be a solution for loneliness. By all means, enjoy your pets. But don't look to them to do what they are not designed to do. God sees that every creature that has been created will not fix this not-good problem of loneliness for Adam. So continue with me from Genesis 2.21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall over the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. In Genesis 2, 21 to 22, we see God forming man and woman with equality and difference. God forms the man from the, the woman from the side of the man. This is an image of equality. Man and woman side by side under their shared creator, the Lord God. A Puritan, Matthew Henry, coined a summary of this equality and celebrates its gentleness and strength. Eve is not made out of his, that's Adam's head, to top him. Not made out of his feet to be trampled on, trampled upon by him. But out of his side to be equal with him. Under his arm to be protected. And near his heart to be beloved. We must also not import demeaning connotations into the description of helper for the woman. Helper is a description used for God. In fact, the traditional author of Genesis, Moses, placed so high a value on God as helper that he named his son Eliezer. El meaning God, remember Elohim, and Isa meaning my helper. The literal name of Moses' son is my God is help. And in Exodus 18, 3-4 we see this. It reads, One son was named Gershom. For Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer. For he said, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Helper is no second-rate term. The woman is equal yet also distinct from the man. God has not replicated the man, but rather formed a new missing part of creation. Together, man and woman are what neither could achieve alone. Together, male and female share the image of God. God is equality 
and difference together as three in one, Father, Son and Spirit. There is a profoundness to God's design of humanity as man and woman that helps betray the complexity and also relational nature of God. God forms the woman and brings her to the man. The image is is like a father bringing his princess bride down the aisle. And then it is as if for a moment, that moment when the groom's first eyes first lay on his bride are transformed into words. In beautiful Hebrew poetry, the first recorded words of humanity are spoken. Then the man said, This, at last, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I love the ecstatic, at last, of Adam. The bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, highlights the equality grounded not in role or function, but rather the man and woman are equal as people made of the same stuff by the same God. Equality as foundation is not what we do. Equality is founded on the God who created both man and woman equal. Adam states the common equality, but also can't help but proclaim that there is something wonderfully different about the woman. Adam needs a new name to describe the woman. The equality and difference of man are celebrated in this poem, these first words of humanity. It's easy to gloss over the few words that come next in Genesis 2, 4 to 12, but I think they hold the key to understanding God's solution to the not good problem of loneliness. It could be easy to read. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now did anyone notice anything missing? Let me read again the whole of Genesis 2, 23 to 25 to you. Then the man said, At last, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now fathers and mothers, they're not around yet. So why does Genesis 2 include, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother? God's solution to loneliness is more than marriage. Genesis 2 looks ahead not only to marriages that reflect the relational nature of God, but to a community of people who were together designed to bring an end to loneliness. This is the beginning of marriage, yes, but also the beginning of community. A community with mothers and fathers, with daughters and sons, with men and women forming new family units as husband and wife. Into this community of families, everyone, everyone has a place to belong. 
to enjoy the riches of relationship with God and people, whether married or not. With Adam and Eve, God began not just marriage, but also community. And within this community, God designed there to be a unique oneness between husband and wife. But no one was ever designed to have to live alone without a family and wider community to belong to. In our final verse, we see Adam and Eve before each other and God, completely exposed, completely known, and with no sense of shame. Perfect, open relationship. God created us. God cares for us. And God communes with us in community. Humanity living according to God's design in a very good world. Take a moment. Pause. Breathe. Imagine humanity living according to God's design in a very good world. A world with perfect, open relationship with God and people. A world of abundant resources. A world worked and kept responsibly. A world with no loneliness. A world with equality and difference. We imagine because we know that's not our world today. We have pursued desires that don't match God's design. Our rebellion against God's design is the problem with this world. What will you do when you realise you are rebelliously pursuing desires that don't match God's design for you? for us the first step is to come before the Lord God you have an open invitation to a redeemed relationship with your creator come to the God who created you come to the God who cares for you come to the God who seeks to commune with you in community. Discover the redeeming power and freedom to live God's design for you that is only found in relationship with God. North Pine Baptist Church, you are a community of people who have already accepted the invitation and embraced a relationship with God. You were called to welcome in anyone who accepts the invitation and has embraced a relationship with God. With this in mind, please anyone who accepts this invitation, let someone around you know your commitment. We'd love to celebrate your relationship with God and welcome you into this community and help you find your place here. Genesis 2 is just the beginning of the story of the Bible that introduces you to God 
and make sense of us and this world. Please continue to explore this story of God with us. All who have a relationship with God, whether old or new, please join with me in your hearts and minds to this closing prayer to God. You can declare the truth in your agreement with this prayer at its end by together saying, Amen. Lord God, you created us, you care for us, and you commune with us in community. You have given us this day. We are amazed that you have pursued a relationship with us, even after we have rebelled against living as you designed us. Lord, as we reflect on who you are, my failings to live as humanity was designed become clear. I do not live in perfect open relationship with you and other people. There is more I could have done, more I shouldn't have done, and wrong motives for both. Lord God, I repent and am sorry. Please strengthen me through your spirit to love and obey you with my whole life. Help me as one shown grace to be gracious to others, especially those who hurt me when they struggle with desires that don't match God's design. Help me embrace and enjoy your community of people, the church. May I experience the peace that is only found in a redeemed relationship with you and go out to love and serve in the name of your son, Jesus. And together we say, Amen.